welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Coming to you after, we've made it five wins out of five. It's 16 points from 18. It's literally champions, cha- champion, that's not the right word, championship winning form, that one. Um, and we're trying to figure out the maths as to... I don't put it in form. <laughs> yeah, type that one, thanks, thank you, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And all the way, we're we're trying to figure out the mass. Spend twenty minutes before here, as to what other teams need to do, including Brighton and Hove Albion, um, for us to allow us to make a Champions League position next year. So we are where we are. I've got Chief in. What are you back in Donegal? No, still in Belfast. Oh, you're still in Belfast. Chief in Belfast. Me in Belfast. Very, very parochial. Um, but yeah, look, let's kick it off. Chase Spurs was absolutely mental. Um, I think for me, the first interesting thing is the team selection. Um, Joel Maddup against West Ham comes in, plays really well, gets the goal. And I think it's one of the match. And immediately that Kanate is available, it's he slots straight back in again. Now there used to be a world in a Liverpool squad where meritocracy was very much um part of the culture. But I just wonder is 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 Kanate is Kanate the key here? in this new way that we've been playing over the last kind of five, six weeks, five, six games? Well, there's no doubt that his athleticism is a big, a big bonus playing that position. And he's a fucking, he's a monster. So, you know, he's, he's arguably our, our top center back. So it's not a, a big surprise to have him come back in. And, you know, it's great. Maddox came in and did a did do a good job against West Ham. One or I think one or two sort of shakier moments um on that on that right hand side, but generally, you know, played well, scored a goal, man of the match, um, good performance. But it yeah, it wasn't really a surprise if Kanate was back fit to, for him to come back in like. And um is yeah, it, he covers the ground. Um, he's quick, he's athletic, he's strong. He's not afraid of, you know, sliding and sliding in to win the ball, but his timing's pretty much immaculate. Um generally his position's good and generally his touch is, is um is assured, although once or, you know, he, he has the odd gaff, as we know, but um, you know, he recovers from those dead quickly as well, which is brilliant. You know, if he, he can make a mistake and you wouldn't know it a minute later. So that's really important. So, yeah, all in all, he's just our top defender. So it wasn't really a, a big shock to see him come back in. But it, his attributes certainly help uh, in that position. I think covering Trent, covering that right side, sort of playing a, a bit of both both of the positions at once. Yeah, I heard it described Um as and like honestly, it might have been by Rob Green of all people, but um, described as a hybrid role. What Trent's doing at the minute, 
and it kind of feels like this. And I think earlier on you described the the back four as like a more like a three and a half. Um, but it is interesting what's happened here, and I think what's also interesting is how that's affected kind of the midfield selection because since we've done this, and I know Elliot's been out, but we've seen a lot less Harvey Elliott and a lot more um, Jordan Henderson and Curtis Jones. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think Elliot, you know, he, he, it's no secret he played a lot in the first two thirds of the season, really. Um, I think he was... Well, Chief, it was, it was up until he got his injury, he was the only player that had featured in every game of the season across all competitions. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's more game time than probably any of us expected that he would get this season. So, um, he was probably due a bit of a rest. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you you know, you benefit from, from having the legs in there. And um, when you can call on Henderson and he's fit and, um, you know, he has he has trouble playing three games a week, basically, is what I'm getting at here. So whenever he's you're getting 100% Jordan Henderson, it's it's great. Uh, and he's, you know, he covers the ground and, and also allows Trent to sort of float there. I mean, it's it's really interesting the um, the the difference it's made, the number of touches he's getting, the way he's, he's sort of almost dictating pretty much everything we're doing going forward. And it's, he is, uh, Chief, and I think, what is it? Is it is it six assists in his last five games or something like absurd like that? Yeah. And um, we've actually did. found a way to make him make him more creative. Yeah, and and lethal with it, you you know, for your bet builder, like you're you're sticking Trent in as an anytime assist, it's um, it's a given, um, especially you know, especially when you're playing at home. But you know, when he's getting on the ball that often, and he's so intelligent that he's he's making space for himself, and making sure that he's getting on the ball in in positions where he can where he can hurt the opposition or engineering positions for himself where he can hurt the opposition. You know, it's 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 a joy to watch. You know, there were those who said that um, midfield would be a totally different kettle of fish for him, and he'd be a fish out of water, and you know, any more fish analogies and kettles and whatever you you, you want to talk about. But um, you care to mention? But um, he obviously um, came up through the you know through the through the eight uh, brackets playing there so you know he slipped back into the, into that position without um you know like a doctor water he's taking it taking to it like a doctor water he's he doesn't look out of place um, no and chief i think i think if we're all like being really like nerdy about football this is what guardiola has been doing with john stones um he used to do it with with both fullbacks um where they would come in and play like an inverted midfielder and and uh, Fernandinho would drop in to make it a three. And now he's kind of transitioned to more what we did with Trent, where you had some on the left-hand side who 
wasn't necessarily going to tuck in. He was going to be a little bit wider and he would make up the third centre half when you needed. And given the additional licence that you get from that to the fellow on the right-hand side, and what Pep has done is he's decided, I'm actually, I'm not going to play a right-back there. I'm going to play this fellow who is a centre-half but kind of fancies himself as a midfielder there. We've tried it before and it didn't really work. But he's kind of all right at it. And with Trent, it's it's something that I think is part of the evolution of the game that the likes of Guardiola specifically has brought, which is this is we can call it a right back, but we're actually talking or a midfielder or whatever, but we're we're actually talking, you know. You might as well say that something costs 25 pesetas because it doesn't exist anymore. You can equate it to something and try and translate it. But this is a new position in football that doesn't actually exist, right? It's a, it's, 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 like, give it a name. What is it? It's not a right back, it's not a midfielder, it's not a right midfielder. But he's you not playing in a position. He has a. I mean, it's been a. He's, he's an area. He's a. He's a. He's, he has a free role, if you but will. Like, but like, not even the sense of. Not even the sense of when you know when we said like Steve McManaman had a free role. Yeah, you but know? Steve, yeah, but he had a free. But he role, had no yeah. responsibility. Trent still exactly. has responsibility, without a possession. That's it. But he had a free role in the context of the times. And Trent has a free role, quote unquote, in the context of the times in that football is a lot more tactically disciplined now. Just so much more. That sort of free role that Maka had way back then doesn't doesn't exist in in at, at elite level in football anymore, really. Um, you know, the. Maybe at the likes of, of PSG, you, you can get away with it here and there. Yeah, but it's kind of it's that's kind of gone with with the you know the extension of the number ten position because it's kind of the same thing, right? Sort of, sort of, yeah. But I mean, Trent's playing. He's playing. He's playing right back. He's playing um, number six at times. Because he's dropping in and the, the centre-backs are split and he's picking the ball up there. He's playing eight. He's playing ten. And he's also playing that, like, do you know that Hulier, Steven Gerrard position on the right-hand side? Yeah, he's, he's play, so he's playing. <laughs> like, like, what was it called? The, 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 the graveyard shift, that one? Our, our build-up is, I mean, and it works because, you know, we, we've been able to sort of, and he's been able to slot in there and we've been able to sort of funnel everything through him and back and recycle and through again. And and it's all working really quite nicely. But Trent is is at the heart of all of it. Like, I mean, we're, we've suddenly in the last few games, you know, of course, we've always used him as a weapon, but in a different context because he's playing on the on the right. But now he's, he's everywhere. And also much more central half the time, so you know the, the the sort of deadliness, if you like, of his of his ability or his his ability is being put to more deadly use, shall we say, 
uh, more frequently. I mean, he's getting what? What was it? He had 124 passes the other. Yeah, he's breaking all sorts of records. He's breaking for... all, and he's breaking them game after game. Like he's sort yeah. of, you know, in and around the same numbers game after game. Um, if we can keep this going, obviously teams are sort of trying to, and you, you saw it already. Um, against Fulham, at times he had sort of three men around him, and at times I think they were also trying to man mark him. Uh, and this is the thing: see, you can't if a player, a player who takes up such a variable areas of the pitch. When the are in possession, it's impossible to man mark somebody like that because you're, I know leaving it is. Ga- you're leaving gaps all over the fucking shop. If that's what you do, teams um, like, and I think Fulham did it at times last night. It seemed like it, but certainly he was surrounded. But he still found he still found his space. He still ends in their room. He, he was yeah. still, um, he was you know still effective. And the, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is. I know Liverpool haven't dropped a lot of points like prior to this season um, and every time they did it was oh people have figured out how Liverpool play and it was like yes people have figured out how Liverpool play but they still can't stop them from doing what they want to do which is fine this is very much like basically what I'm saying is you can't plan for Trent you know people, people plan for Salah People plan for Mane, or we saw, like, I remember Potter always did a great number on nullifying Firmino's influence in the game. But a player that is that influential across that amount of grass, basically, you can't plan for that because you're literally compromising 70% of your side for one player. Not like two or two, maybe three players most. So that gives us, if you talk about unpredictability, that's something that can give us an air of unpredictability that, you know, you can continue to focus on and perfect, but without like, let's be unpredictable and just play 4-2-4 so that they don't know what to do. But we don't really know what we're doing either because it's the first time we've ever done this. Yeah, I mean, it's all a bit, um, it's all a bit sort of on the hoof almost, but um, it seems, it seems to, to be, you know, a way of, a way of playing that's, that, that's working for us. Um, we're, we're able to increase trends influence in the game, which is massive because he was a, he was an issue um, prior to this switch because obviously the focus was on him constantly and consistently in the media for quote unquote being a shit defender. So and teams were specifically targeting him, and because we were all the entire team was was off, he was getting exposed more and more often, and suddenly this player who we all know is fucking a generate well a generational talent uh in the same way that the belling very much could be um but there's no doubt that trent is and given his struggles you know trying to get in at right back with england and how that knocked him and how that's probably knocked his confidence playing that position and how that was never really his 
actual position anyway. You know, this switch and the and the way it's worked instantly is is huge. It's huge for the player, it's huge for the player's confidence, it's huge for the club. Um, it's huge for us as fans because we know how good he is and we want to see that and we want to see that exposed to the fullest. For me, Trent's only at the beginning of you know what he what he can be. Um I expect him to, to essentially be our best player, and at times he already has been. But you know, for that to, to be for seasons to come, and I think that's going to happen, and it's much more likely to happen in a sort of conducting, orchestrating role rather than a you know rather than being quote unquote the best right back in the world. Um, and so it's it it, it it's huge, and whether this has sort of been in the in the makings for a while and we've just sort of brought it forward a little bit because we needed to do something or whether it's whatever it's been precipitated by it's 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 welcome and um i think it's it's only going to be positive for both player and club um because we want them to be at the club for forever basically for his first career we want him to be the captain and we want him to hit the heights that we all know that he can. And so, yeah, yeah let's hope that, you know, that, that happens and it should do now. Totally. All right, Dan. Um, let's get, let's actually talk about this, the Spurs game. Um, we're off to an absolute flyer. Trent in that position, one of the multiple positions. Um, Curtis Jones at the back post, lovely controlled finish. Um, and listen, this is not a, oh, we don't need to buy a midfielder conversation because both things that Curtis Jones might actually be good enough to play for Liverpool and we still need to sign a midfielder can both exist at the same time, okay? But Jones um, maybe ran a bit, ran, ran out of steam a little bit the second half against Fulham. But he's he's come back in from a long spell out and he's got better and better and better and better. And for me, Chief, people are talking about cashing in 20 minutes for him and we'll put it towards this and that and the other. I still do think that this kid can be a big part of of this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd be looking elsewhere if, if you're talking about seals in the midfield, but ultimately um, I, I like him. Um, well, he's been doing that left-hand side genie sort of role, hasn't he? And we've seen him kind of do that before. And yeah, sometimes he can be a bit loose with the ball, but that comes with you know naivety and you know youthful exuberance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just wonder, can he grow into that really brilliant, press-resistant, intelligent? Spatially aware footballer that when Alden was, which gives well, us all thing, of the security the that we, we have with him. He, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he's a, a smart footballer, given his progression uh, and the and the changes in in his game. You know, since 
smashing it up in, in the under 23s to playing quite regularly at times in, in Jurgen Club teams over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he is still only 22, isn't he? So he is still, you know, just at that age um, where he could really kick on. Um, and what you're talking about sort of being loose with the ball, you know, you see less of that. You've seen less of that sort of the more games that he's he's played. Um, and now he seems to be really finding finding form and, and looks comfortable in the side. And it seems to be that they've managed to, they, they can just sort they've sorted this injury situation now with them a bit because that seems to have been the, the issue. Um a lot of us didn't know that and just assumed that he was massively out of favour. I think most of the fan base did. Um, but that doesn't seem to have been the case. It seems to have been, you know, an injury where he literally couldn't do any physical exercise on the fourth day of, yeah, I don't know after what, but after you know every every fourth day basically he had to he had to rest. So um, yeah, it was one of those weird ones. I think that the medical staff, whatever we have left of a medical team, couldn't one of those ones that they couldn't figure out what it was. And it appears now they have figured out what the issue is. Yeah, so it seems to be much more under control now. Which yeah, and I hope it's nothing. I, sort of like I kind of, I kind of, when I hear things like that, I kind of, my mind's drawn to like Mario Goza. Yeah, where it's like a, like a degenerative issue that doesn't allow him to do that, rather than something physical that can potentially be. Resolved with you know surgery or rest or physio or manipulation or whatever. So look, we don't know, and we, we know with injuries, Liverpool one of the worst. Some fans might say players will probably say one of the best at keeping those sorts of things under wraps. Under wraps, but yeah, there's. It's I think this has been one of the real bonuses over the last four or five weeks for me, Chief. Yeah, I mean. What, Curtis? Yeah, totally, I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because he has sort of come in from, from the cold because he hadn't been playing at all and he, he hadn't featured and we weren't really aware of, of the injury situation and you thought he was out of favour and then you're like, God, we're clutching at straws now. We, we must be down to the bare bones. Curtis is in, but it seems the plan has been to, to play him back in. Um because he's he's playing consecutive games now and he's playing well. And like I said, he, he looks at home. So yes, of course, I, I think he, he can contribute. And I think if you're looking to maybe thin down the squad a little bit in midfield or or you know um although I don't know why he would be because we're short there. I mean Tiago's never fit. Um Milner's Seems like he's he's probably going to be off. Um, obviously, Oxley Chamberlain's going. Kaida's going. Bicetic has an injury that seemingly means that he he won't have much of a preseason even, and he's also dead young. Um, yeah, and there's going to be natural. Yeah, it, there's going to be a natural um, reduction in midfield players. Exactly. You, don't, you, you certainly don't need to be selling Curtis Jones. In, in no. And At the very least, he's going to be a, a very valuable squad player 
Totally. He could and, be more. So. And Chief, it's clear, it's clear the manager likes him. You know, he's played. He's almost played a hundred games for Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? And he's, he's what, 20, 22? He's so, I mean, and he's been out for long periods of injury as well. So that could be significantly more than that. So it's quite obvious to me that the manager really, really rates him. And the coaching staff obviously rate him. Yeah, manager must trust him as well, um, which is important. So yeah. I can't see him really being on the list. And I don't think he would be starting games now, given what Klopp said about a view the next season and all. I don't think he'd be starting games now if he wasn't in the manager's plans. So I can't see him being being for sale, to be honest. And yeah. and this yeah. is the same reason we're same reason we're not seeing and haven't seen for a long time. Um Chamberlain and particularly Nabi Kaida, because they're not in next season's plans. So exactly. stops working with what he knows he's it's got. Exactly. So so yeah. I don't think there's anything to worry about in in, in that uh, in that regard. Like Curtis, I'm sure will will be there, but we still need to go out and sign three midfielders. Yeah, that's true. We'll come on to that. Um, okay, it's one nil. It's one nil. We're about half an hour in. That's one nil. After two minutes, um, second goal. Front three all combined, don't they? I think. Um, Salah's really clever pass which is a bit over hit but Gakpo gets on the end of it uh, and pulls it back to Diaz it's a brilliant finish it's like it's it's such an improvised finish isn't it it's beautiful Uh, it's so South American isn't it yeah it really is Um, I heard Tim Vickery there's a a Brazilian phrase uh, that I don't know what it is now but basically translates as um, if something is difficult you will improvise and find a solution and that was mm. pretty much what that was it was a horrible height he was running at extreme pace and he manages to manipulate his body and he was in front of the front of the near post as well like he was you know yeah he would... but he get the contact he gets on the ball is fucking absolutely beautiful. unbelievable and he really has come back in and hit the ground running hasn't he he's absolutely brilliant there was one one situation against Fulham where I swear to God there were three hanging off his back, and he manages to turn away. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to give a ball away in a terrible area. Turns it, keeps it. The the personification of the description wiry. What a joy he is to watch. He's fucking brilliant. He really is, and it's great to have him back. And obviously, he's not back up to speed yet. He can only really do 45 minutes. At the moment, um, at any full sort of pace, but he hasn't lost any of his any of his spark, any of his skill, any of his pace. It seems so. Touch wood, you know, he stays injury free now, and we really see the best of him because he's he's fucking dynamite. I mean, he really is. He's a proper throwback, old fashioned. Never, you know, this. Exotic Colombian skill machine that can do just about anything with the ball is quick as fuck, has a thunderbolt of a shot, um, barely ever loses the ball, as strong as an ox. He can do everything, like so. Um, it's great to have him back, it really is. 
and you know, sooner he can sort of do seventy-five to ninety minutes, the the better. Yeah, and it's a brilliant, brilliant goal. It, it is. I mean, like you say, it's improvised, and he makes the cutback look great. But the cutback is pretty good given the pace that Gakpo. Yeah, but it's it's not. But it's not an easy chance, and Gakpo, you know, he's he's trying to get to the byline before the fucking ball does, and he absolutely creates the ball, and it sort of all just works out. The pass is slightly overhit, but if Gakpo isn't, you know, scramp scampering like that, and therefore. His only thought is, I'm just, I'm just cutting this back, you know. If it's a bit, if it's a bit of a better pass, maybe he takes a touch. Maybe it doesn't work out like that or whatever. But it all just fits together, even though it's slightly running away. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, you know what? It's very Klopp Liverpool. It looks, <laughs> it's a bit like, it's all like doing everything at the most intense way possible. To make Absolutely. it work, but it's a class goal. It really is, and it's proper top Liverpool, as you say. So it was a good goal to, to see. Yeah, uh, and 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 Gakpo's um, Gakpo is chief. He's he's great. Like he really is. The, his feet to win the penalty. The shift from you know he, he pops it up with his right on his left to take it away. And you know Romero looks rash, but I've watched the back a couple of times, and I thought to myself, if I was Romero, I probably thought he could have got that ball as well. But if you go back and watch Gakpo's speed, it's just unbelievable. This guy is—he's again. Don't want to sound like I'm on on an agenda chief, but. Playing in that area of the pitch is close control, is linked up play, is intelligence, spatial awareness, um, and is dribbling athleticism. He he is something akin to Firmino, but he might actually have something a little bit extra. Or am, yeah, I, I mean, am, am I am I going am I going overboard here? No, I mean it's. I think it's natural to compare them because we've wanted a because Firmino has been so influential on the how we've played, and, and it's so, obvious that's the way Klopp wants to play, right? We've wanted a replacement, but you're never. You know, they're obviously different. So Gakpo can do some of the things that Bobby does just as well as Bobby, but he can't do all of them. But at the same time, he does other things that Bobby can't do. And I think because of his his age, his physique, his athleticism, I think that's that is now better than what what Bobby can give us, obviously. Um you know, he's 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 built, he's tall, he's quick, he's um Really difficult to get the ball off. Protects the ball really well. He's he's really skillful, deceptively skillful. Um, yeah, I said this. I said this before, Chief, and I think it it came across wrong. But reminds me sort of of Zidane in the way that Zidane was so tall and athletic. You, you just think to yourself, he 
somebody with that physique can't be that skillful. Mm. And I kind of get the same from Gakpo. Look at him and think he's not. You know, he's not messy. He's Ronaldo. Even you know is is levels. Um, but I just didn't think that it's a. I suppose what I'm trying to say is. It's a very rare thing where you get somebody with that physique, like almost a heavyweight boxer's physique, that has that real subtlety about the skill that they have when the football's at their feet. But Ronaldo, Ronaldo didn't even have that subtlety, you know. He's incredibly clever as well. I mean, he's so switched on um, tactically, but just on the pitch in terms of, you know, where to be, where to run, where to make the moves. He can. See, he has a picture. Um, so he, yeah, he, again, he was a player I didn't hadn't seen play that often. In fact, very rarely, once or twice maybe in the Champions in a Champions League or in a in a maybe the odd Europa League match. Um, but very very rarely, and you know he's he's been impressive. It's been it's it's. I thought we were getting some sort of pacier winger in in some kind of a way. Saw him a bit at the World Cup, obviously scored a couple of scored a few goals. So then I thought, okay, we're getting a we're getting a you know a striker. Uh, although he, he played a bit more from the left, um, but he's he's got a little bit of everything. I I mean, I don't know what his position actually would be i mean i suppose you you think of old terms and number nines and number tens and whatever but he's, he's sort of somewhere in between in between which is is do you, um, mean, do you mean um do you mean what we're asking him to do now yeah well what we're asking him to do now is sort of um you know false nine more isn't it yeah i guess it seems very outdated for some reason yeah, but then I mean he comes up. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later when we talk about Fulham. But yeah, he's he is class and he's got a lot more than than I thought he would. He's really, really, really intelligent. You can see, you can see him seeing things on the pitch if you know what I mean. And you can, um, I mean he's already scored a few goals for us as well. Um, he seems to link up well with everyone. Everyone seems to like him. Um. So yeah, it's, it's he's been a positive signing. A lot of people question him. Um, why are we signing this guy? Um, we should be. Spending- like it made no sense at the time. Yeah, but it makes sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, he's no, no, he's not a left winger. You yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and speaking of left wingers, we've we've talked about talked about Diaz, um, Chief. I don't know why. But after Spurs equalised, and let, let's be honest, it's probably the best thing ever that it was Richarlison equalised for Spurs and went absolutely berserk, only to have his first Premier League goal that was actually allowed, snatched away from him. But as soon it, as... <laughs> what do you say? It was... It was what our song is about. It was poetry in motion. Oh, honestly, it was incredible. Um, and I didn't fully appreciate it until afterwards because everything's happened so quickly. But Jota, he didn't start because he had a, 
an issue with his back. wasn't quite there. He's been persistent with. We had the, the shouts selling Newcastle 40 million happy days. Once he latched on to that loose pass from Mora, and he like he was on it like a whippet. One touch, two touch. I I don't know why I thought it, but I just thought this is a goal. And in hindsight, thinking about it, he's actually John is actually dead eye. If you think about it, I would say if you have a guilt-edged chance to win a game of football, and maybe this is recency bias, but a guilt-edged chance to win a game of football, um, be it a meaningless friendly or the Champions League final in the last minute, out of every player in our squad, who do you want that chance to fall to? I am very convinced I'm saying Diego Jota. Yeah, I mean... He's he's funny because sometimes he misses things that you think, how the fuck can you possibly miss? Yeah, that? there was like that header. There was like that, that header the other week, wasn't there? Was yeah, where it's all impossible to miss. Like the one, do you remember the one against Wolves in the in the in the runner-up year where Devok ends up scoring the winner in the ninety-second minute or something? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, Jada has the run through, and he's like. He's put everybody on their hole and he's just got the keeper to beat and the keeper's and he, on his line. And he, and just he smashes it right at right the keeper, at doesn't the he? Keeper, like, yeah. And you're like, how oh, the fuck have you not scored? <laughs> it's like impossible. So there, he has that in him. But if you if you give him a chance like that, you know, uh, nine to, and, and I know what you mean. Uh, I, I would say he is the most, the most, Cold-blooded, the most ruthless finisher out of all our, I'd say, out of all our front line. Um, others will and have scored more goals, but in terms of, of yeah, you've got one shot here. Um and you you knew, especially in a position like that, I mean, he very, he's been likened to Fowler at times. And he has quite a lot of fowler in him. And that position there, running through in that position on his left foot, he's, he was very reminiscent of Robbie Fowler. And you sort of, if you blinked and, and suddenly it had been 30 years earlier, you'd have been forgiven for thinking it was Robbie in, in that uh, in that moment. Because he wasn't going to miss. And uh, he buries it. And uh, then sits down. And we all get to fucking... Go nuts! It's, it's so it's so understated and nonchalant is 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 um, the celebration, and I love that because it's almost like he's saying to everybody, "Well, of course, I stuck on the bottom corner." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly, and that to me that is that's a behaviour of a goal scorer that is completely comfortable. When he gets a chance like that, do you know what I mean? It's not that where he's wheeling away in re- relief for um, total madness that he's managed to stick it in the net. He's just like, obviously, lads, do you know? Yeah, and as I'm sure there's a lot of sort of self-assurance and self-reassurance in that 
as well. You know, it's like I'm back. You know, this is you know this is what we do. But also, what must what must the players have been thinking? Just seconds before that, because they've thrown away a game that they should have should have perhaps been winning five yeah. or six. It's a good point, Chief, and it almost it almost you know builds on that previous point that that's the situation within the game that Jota finds himself with that chance. They've just thrown away a three goal sure. lead. Yeah, we were talking we were talking there about Gakpo and how sharp you know how clever he is, game intelligent and so on. But I mean, um, Jota's so sharp in the mind. He gave his interview. He was like. He said that he, he saw the ball dropping on Lucas Moura and he had an idea that he might he might do that, he might pass it back. So he was on to the cutting out the pass before the ball's even at Moura's foot. So that's why he's he intercepts it so so easily and so perfectly and runs on to it and his touch you know, it's all it all comes from and that's what every that's every good goal score does, take the gamble. Exactly. And just knowing that that's going to happen and, and be thinking like that. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant to have him back. It really is. Back in and firing. Um, and I think if we, you know, he, he came to Liverpool with the reputation of being streaky, which was fair enough, because in his world's days, he, he was quite streaky. But So did Sergio Manning, didn't he? That's a very... It's almost identical, yeah, exactly. the narrative behind the two of them. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Southampton fans said he went missing in the winter, basically, didn't they? Um, um, and he'd be good for you at the start and the end of the season. Well, f- fuck that. Um, but, yeah, the, the reputation's kind of been reinforced for Jota a bit at Liverpool because he's been... Um, he's had the injuries. Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 kind of been unfair, but I think if we can keep him fit, then he's just got such a nose for goal. He's just got such an instinct. Um, you know, he hits it early a lot of the time. He's good in the air, like you said. He shares his goals out evenly, left foot, right foot, headers. He's and that's again, it's more of he's more of a natural, a natural finisher, a natural goal scorer, a natural poacher, if you like, than than anyone else we've got. Yeah, um, we've, we've got a formidable forward line. We really fucking do. Yeah, it, it really is. It's you know we've talked about that three, the front three, and you may never see the likes of the chemistry that those three had together. But there was always massive drop off to you know cult hero Devok, and, and fortunately for him, the majority of the times that those three were injured, which was rare, he was able to step in and make himself a legend. You know? <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's five, right? We have very um, opposite views on this particular player. Fulham, Dorman comes in um, and like we're not great, we're not fluid. We're dominant, we're we control the game, but we're not fluid. And for his detractors, he doesn't do himself any favors. 
he's not great. Um, but it's kind of the penalty's kind of epitomized. He takes a touch, holds it in. If it's Gakpo, he seals it, beats a man, lays it off. He loses the ball, and then he fucking knocks his pan in to nick it off. Who is it? Him who kicked the cat, whoever he is. Um, nicks it off and wins a penalty, and that's what you get, you know? And he's a up. Yeah, totally. We love that about him. Um, but for me, in fact, not for me, from the manager's perspective, I think it's pretty clear that he has two kneeled on positions in that front three and the left-hand side is up for grabs. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, does Luis Diaz not play there? Well, we, we, we've just gushed over to you, Jada. Do you know what I mean? I know, but I mean, who's, who is kneeled on? I mean, kneeled on, the only kneeled on one for me is, is Salah. He's the one that starts every week. The others, the others are sort of, I think, I think there's a pecking order within that, but I'd, I'd say when fit, the next name on the team sheet is, is Diaz on the left. Okay. And then, yeah, and then you're, and then you're looking at who plays centrally. And see, this be, is for me, this is for me the key here, right? And this is where you're going to be from. either, it's going to be one of the three, isn't it? Gakpo or Darwin? Look, and this is kind of where I am. Um, I think when we... Do you remember after we signed Jota, there was a lot of him playing false nine when Firmino was unavailable or when he decided to rest him. And we thought for a while, is this this a transition? Is this Bobby's long-term successor? And it didn't, sometimes it worked, it didn't really work. And then in the last season, Manny came in and he did a fairly decent impression. Um, and this is, for me, this is this is Klopp's bread and butter. This now, this is what he loves. And if you were to give me a million pounds and ask me to Bet whether Klopp sees Cody Gakpo as the focal point of his future um, tactical plan for this team, then I would gamble that yes, and very confidently yes. So for that reason, I think he's, you know, if not slightly behind Salah, almost like with him, as there's a one and a two on the left-hand side, well, Let's see what we'll have. Yeah, I mean, this is it. This is it. I mean, on the face of it, you probably say Gakpo's the one that, that that's going to play there more often than not. But then you need five because you're going to have injuries and you're going to have a lot of games, particularly if you're in the Europa League next season. That's a, an extra round of games as well. Um so you're gonna need you, you need you need the players, but first choice, you're probably for me, on paper anyway. Although I don't know if this is actually started, maybe it has once. Would be Gakpo, Diaz, and and Salah, probably the way it is at the moment. Um, 
Jota scores a lot of goals. Um, well, that was Spurs, wasn't it? Spurs was Gakpo Diaz Salah. Was that the, was was that the lineup? So there you go. That's probably the only time they have started together, though. I would I would guess since Diaz is only just back and and Gakpo was only signed in January. Yeah, probably. So that must have been their their first start together, and what we scored scored three in in the first fifteen minutes. So, not so bad. <laughs> no, not really, not really, not really. Especially, um, especially when what <laughs> two two of the front three score and the other one gets two assists. So there you go. So you know that 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 looked very 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 promising. So maybe you go that way. Maybe that that is the case. But what you've got is you've got a player in Jota who can play from the left, can play through the centre if you wanted to, don't play him from the right because it's a complete waste of time, but who knows exactly where the net is and has had good uh, good moments coming off the bench as well. So isn't isn't averse to that. Um, it's so bizarre for me that, and I can't actually wrap my head around this, We've seen Jonas break down of his goals, left foot, right foot header. See for a player that's so two-footed, that is so effective on one side of the pitch, and so completely ineffective on the other, I find absolutely, absolutely mental. Right, like, isn't he? It's fucking It's bizarre. metal, you know? It really is. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you expect, if a player's that um, two-footed, you'd think that it shouldn't make that much of a difference. But apparently it does. Must never ever have played on the right growing up or whatever. It's, I suppose yeah. the pitch looks obviously different. Your angles are, you know, opposite and stuff. So I'm totally, you're doing different things with different feet. You would, you would just, you would think that if anybody was going to adapt to that quickly, it, w- it would be somebody like him. But yeah, apparently not. Um, all right, look, Chief. Um, I think let's move on to. The inevitable conversation around like signing loads of midfield footballers. Um, let's just throw it all into one big bag here. You've spoken about Graven Birch. There's been noises around that. McAllister looks like it's the most likely and very likely at this point in time. Um, there's been noises around Garte. Is that how you say his name? I think um, so. At sporting, and then I wonder to myself, um, does does what we're doing with Trent now change the profile of midfielder we want to sign for potentially that right right sided position of the three? There's a lot there, so take your time. Yeah, I mean. All right, so let's do McAllister first, right? So McAllister... McAllister, it seems like he's coming, doesn't it? I mean, that's yeah. what what seems to be the noise. And he scored a 96-minute penalty for United, uh, for Brighton tonight to, to beat United. And, and, and what a good penalty it was. A favour, what a what a good penalty it was indeed. Top, top bin. Um, there's nothing really not to like about him from what I've seen. He seems to be a real all-round midfielder, a real box-to-box midfielder. 
he's um he's robust he's quick he's strong he protects the ball well he, he's not in any way rash um he, he's a good presser he's tactically aware he's he's won the world cup you know he takes set pieces the only he's not the tallest but at the same time he is he is strong as i've mentioned and you know, he's, he's proved him. he's up to the physicality of the league. There's no issue there. Um, so there's nothing not to like. And if the, the, the price is being mentioned is, is, what, 40 million? If that's true, that seems like a bargain. He's 24 years old. He's about to come into his peak years. And he's already shown signs that, you know, he's, he's reaching them uh, at, at Brighton. Um, and internationally, so yeah, I'd be be happy with that. But you, need, we need a couple more. Um, yeah, uh, Sanchez is very, he's very FSG. He's very um, typical of age profile. About to like take the jump to the next level. Um, McAllister. Yeah, totally. It, it it's exactly everything we've seen this transfer team do before, aside from probably my good friend Charles Darwin. Um, so the next one on the list, then you you've spoken about this more than I have. I haven't really stayed close to it, but uh, Ryan Gravenberch is a Tall, physical, leggy, kind of number six. Um, a bit De Jong-esque. Am I, am I off the mark there? Is similar sort of thing? Well, he's not as brutal as De Jong-like. I mean, which De Jong? No, sorry. I mean, I mean Frankie De Jong. Frankie De Jong. Okay. I thought you meant Nigel for a minute no, there. Like, no, no. <laughs> fuck. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he was... He was Hugely, hugely hot prospect at Ajax, and made a you know made a big move. I think at eighteen to to Bayern Munich, it hasn't quite worked out there. Not a big shock to me. A a, a young black Dutchman going to to play at Bayern Munich and it not really and not really fitting in, um, and it it, it hasn't. Um, he hasn't progressed, shall we say? In, well, he's in, hardly played, has he? And yeah, I think there's this posture now from Barn Chief that, oh no, they, they see him like central to you know next season's plans and nah, and and the, for me this is this is very much um this is an economically driven conversation I would say as opposed to in the realms of reality, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I think it, it, I think that the, the deal is probably essentially done because these clubs have done business many, many times in the past, including last year. Um, they've obviously been they're they're probably in constant contact about various <clears throat> players. Um, there's also sort of insider talk in that you know listening to the, the Anfield rap. Um, Jose Enrique has the same the same agent, and he he's 
put it out there on his podcast that Graham Birch and is is going to Liverpool and it, it's being done. Um, there's stories that about you know the silly stories that the the girlfriend's been or the wife has been uh, house hunting on Merseyside and stuff. There's been conversations, um, comments that the you know interviews that have been given about you know in, in the Dutch media and stuff with him. So it, it seems very very likely that we are that he's he's coming our way basically. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting because he's one that, as I said, was, was massively promising and hugely, very, very highly rated. Made a big move; it hasn't worked out, and and maybe, maybe Liverpool is is the club where he we can sort of re get back on that path. Essentially, a bit a bit Coutinho esque, perhaps like a bit Bergkamp esque, maybe after his um, his his time at Juve. Um, that kind there's of a good, there's a good Gakpo comparison there. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier. He is Bergkamp asking ways. The, I, you know why I refrain from saying it because he he can't finish like Bergkamp. No, who can though? I oh, know that's the thing. But his touch and his intelligence and his link play is you know, and it's, it's, and his his body shape and physicality as well. Yeah. But yeah, so this other fella, I don't know anything about him, Chief. I presume you don't either. The the fella from um, Lisbon, um, Ugarte. Ugarte? No, not really. Just what I heard, which is that he's, you know... Uh, he's, good. he's quite good. Quite good at football. Physical, robust, box-to-box, 22 years old, apparently. Um, and out-and-out number six, by all accounts. Um, Uruguayan, so... Perhaps, um, perhaps skilled in, in in the dark arts as well. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think I think probably connected with the same agent as um, Darwin and and others as well. So that's maybe why we're getting linked, or it might give add more credibility to the link. You know, take it. You can take it either way, really. Yeah. All right, so just to finish the thought, finish us off, Chief. Um, United lose to Brighton with an aforementioned Alexis McAllister, 96-minute penalty, expertly taken. Um, we've had a look at the Maz. We haven't looked at Newcastle because it's a lot of effort to do United and Brighton. But essentially... Um, United need 10 points. So if we win all the games, and these conversations are around if we win all our games, um, they need 10 points. Their away record, you'd think is fine, but as bad as ours being, they're five points better off than us. So it's not that good. They have Bournemouth away who are on form, they have West Ham away this week. If they lose away to West Ham, they're on it, we have to win all our games kind of run here for the, the final four and they've got the FA Cup final in there and they've shown they can be flaky, you know um, not least away to us so, I don't know, where are you? I'm convinced we're definitely getting top four 
I've been convinced for a long time that we're going to win all our games. I think that we could certainly get top four, but we need them to fuck up. And they are capable of doing it. There's no doubt what you say is absolutely correct, but it would be quite a monumental fuck up for them to 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 manage to allow us to pip them. Um, their toughest game on paper is West Ham away. Um, it comes this Sunday. They've just played. West Ham had an extra day's rest, but they played City away last night and got dicked. Um, how much did they write that game off and how much did they put into that game? That's a question. Um, they could do with the points because they're still not really mathematically safe. So they've got incentive, but you're asking them to, to do us a favour. It's David Moyes as well, you know, with his United baggage and his top four baggage, i.e. he never beats them. Um, or should I say big club baggage? It's it's a difficult one. You you might call you might say a draw, but I mean I would I would on in a normal season, on a normal day, if I were a betting man, my money would be on United in the in that game. So it's it's gonna take quite a lot. Bournemouth as well. Yeah, they have been good at home. They beat us at home. We were poor that day, we missed a the penalty. They've only lost a handful of games, I wanna say, at home all season, because that's where they've mostly gotten their points and they, they have uh, Heard earlier in the season they have, and keeping an eye on the results since they they have a decent record at home. So you never know. But again, on a normal day, if you're doing your coupon, you would you would fancy Man United in that game. So they're games you don't expect them to drop points in, but they are a team fighting for fourth place. Who normally those teams don't win all their games. We we are going to. Because um, we've lost enough this season to to last a fucking lifetime, um, so it yeah it's possible. I, I'm hopeful. I certainly haven't given up the ghost, but it it would be a, a a bit of a collapse from them, and it would be also great for us. Yeah, and I think what I see here is, um, and what I haven't seen all season, is a team chief that. There's resilience when things go wrong. We don't collapse, capitulate, fold, switch off. Um, all these games. Leeds, right at the start of the second half, they peg us back 2-1. Great at the other end and score. Um, Forest, peg back twice, win 3-2. West Ham, go 1-0 down, come back, beat them. Spurs, Christ, need to be talking about it anymore, you know. So, this is something I haven't seen from this team this season up until now. And I think we have that, and I'm not sure that United do. So, that's where we are. Um, probably end up finishing third. Happy days. Thanks for joining me, Chief. Until next time, up the Champions League Reds. <laughs>